On Tuesday, September 21st, the 76th session of the United Nations General Assembly kicked off in New York City, culminating with the first day of the high-level general debate. Last year in 2020, no world leaders came to the United Nations amid the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Back then, addresses from leaders were pre-recorded and only a handful of resident ambassadors spoke. This year, in contrast, more than 100 world leaders decided to appear in person at the General Assembly Hall discussing pressing issues such as COVID-19, the threat of renewed war, income inequality. The ongoing climate crisis seemed to be top of the list given the urgent state of the environment. The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has warned that life on Earth is in extreme danger if we do not achieve, quote, rapid, far-reaching, and unprecedented changes in all aspects of society, end of quote, by 2030. And at least 11% of the world's population is currently in extreme vulnerability because of climate change impacts such as droughts, floods, heat waves, extreme weather events, and sea level rise. During Tuesday's uh, general debate at the UN, the three most closely followed speakers were US President Joe Biden, who appeared at the General Assembly for the first time since taking office, and Chinese President Xi Jinping, who delivered a video address and Iran's recently elected uh, president. Let us go to a clip now um, about the UN General Assembly, where we will hear the warning from the Antonio Gutierrez, the Secretary General of the UN and President Biden. The world must wake up. We are on the edge of an abyss and moving in the wrong direction. A majority of the wealthier world vaccinated, over 90% of Africans still waiting for the first dose. This is a moral indictment of the state of our world. It is an obscenity. We pass the science test, but we are getting an F in ethics. Excellencies, the quiet alarm bells are also ringing at fever pitch. The recent report of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was a code red for humanity. We see the warning signs in every continent and region, scorching temperatures, shocking biodiversity loss, polluted air, water, and natural spaces, and climate-related disasters at every turn. As we saw recently, not even this city, the financial capital of the world, is immune. Climate scientists tell us it is not too late to keep alive the 1.5 degree goal of the Paris Climate Agreement. But the window is rapidly closing. A sense of impunity is taking hold. And at the same time, it will be impossible to address dramatic economic and developed challenges while the world's two largest economies are at odds with each other. Yet I fear our world is creeping towards two different sets of economic, trade, financial, and technological rules, two divergent approaches in the development of artificial intelligence, and ultimately, the risk of two different military and geopolitical strategies. And this is a recipe for trouble.
the United States will double our public international financing to help developing nations tackle the climate crisis. And today, I'm proud to announce that we'll work with the Congress to double that number again, including for adaptation efforts. This will make the United States a leader in public climate finance. And with our added support, together with increased private capital and other, from other donors, we'll be able to meet the goal of mobilizing $100 billion to support climate action in developing nations. The United States will compete, and will compete vigorously, and lead with our values and our strength. We'll stand up for our allies and our friends and oppose attempts by stronger countries to dominate weaker ones, whether through changes to territory by force, economic coercion, technical exploitation, or disinformation. <clears throat> but we're not seeking — say it again — we are not seeking a new Cold War or a world divided into rigid blocks. The United States is ready to work with any nation that steps up and pursues peaceful resolution to share. We all suffer the consequences of our failure, Together, to address the urgent threats like COVID-19 and climate change, or enduring threats like nuclear proliferation. Alrighty, there you go. And uh, President Biden has been heavily criticized due to the chaotic exit from Afghanistan and fallout from a submarine deal the U.S. brokered with Australia and the U.K., which has caused a rift with France. And during um, President Xi's of China's speech, he made a groundbreaking commitment, as you just heard in the clip, on behalf of the world's largest emitter of greenhouse gases. In his pre-recorded speech, President Xi promised that China will not construct any new coal-fired power projects abroad. The Chinese government also announced that it will boost financial support for green and low carbon energy projects in other developing countries. Meanwhile, the president of Iran slammed U.S. sanctions imposed on his country as a mechanism of war. He pointed out that the U.S. sanctions have made international purchases of medicine and equipment much more difficult at a time when multiple waves of COVID-19 have already uh, taken 118,000 deaths in Iran, one of the highest in the region. Here to give us his thoughts and what jumped out at him and the broader implications, some analysis on all of this, I'd like to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Dr. Gerald Horn, the Morris Professor of History and African-American Studies at the University of Houston. Dr. Horn, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Right. And of course, uh, Dr. Horn has won the American Book Award for his book, The Dawning of the Apocalypse, The Roots of Slavery, White Supremacy, Settler Colonialism, and Capitalism in the Long 16th Century. Uh, so, Dr. Horn, there you have um, some people are saying uh, President Biden in some quicksand, um, having a very, very rough uh, couple of weeks as he uh, went to the United Nations. And by the way, there was no reference in his speech, Dr. Horn, to the crisis happening with Haitians at the border. Before we get into 
um, actually what happened at the UN General Assembly. I'm wondering your thoughts on that, uh, what's happening at the border, because some of the photos that have emerged of uh, border agents on horseback whipping Haitians, whipping uh, black men and uh, going after women and children, reminiscent of an earlier period in U.S. history. Dr. Horn, before we discuss the UN, just a, a quick comment on that. Well, the scenes from Del Rio, Texas, just south of where I'm sitting, were horrific and awful. It's a terrible indictment of the Department of Homeland Security and ultimately the Biden administration. Uh, keep in mind as well that according to NBC News, there are about 20,000 Haitians in Colombia on the northern coast of South America heading northward, 3,000 further south in Peru, and about 1,500 in Panama heading northward. So this crisis has yet to abate, and I think it's understandable why these Haitian migrants felt that a door would be open for them in the United States of America. After all, Mr. Biden has said that he's heavily dependent upon the black constituency, and so I'm sure these black people thought that they would receive a warm welcome instead of scenes from 1821 of white presenting men on horseback whipping black men, women, and children. Absolutely. So, Dr. Horn, um, the UN General Assembly gathering of world leaders, uh, 100 turned up this year. Um, of course, um, the president of Brazil didn't get vaccinated. That was one of the requirements uh, for entering the UN building, but was a, it was on an honor system. He didn't have to show his vaccine card. But nevertheless, it started out with uh, the UN Secretary General giving a very stark warning uh, to the world. And then uh, President Biden uh, trying to uh, perhaps make an attempt to heal some of uh, the weaknesses that people have seen. I mean, the EU not too happy um, with him right now. And of course, the messy withdrawal from Afghanistan and much more. What jumped out at you, Dr. Horn? What jumped out at me, in a sense, was what didn't jump out at me. That is to say, okay. <laughs> conspicuous omission of the elephant in the room, uh, which is the relationship with France. You articulated why there has been a rupture, that is to say the United States big-footing France and pushing it and elbowing it out of the way to seize a submarine deal with Australia. France has withdrawn its ambassador from the United States, which is one step short of breaking diplomatic relations altogether. Sadly and unfortunately, the U.S. press, particularly the New York Times, has downplayed the profundity of this, of this uh, relationship and the, the rupture, suggesting that France uh, is ineffectual and has nowhere to go. But I hope they read the Financial Times of London this morning and read, and read about the postponement, if not the cancellation, of an important summit between the European Union and the United States on trade and technology that was to take place shortly in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As noted, now canceled, that was seen as a step towards uniting the United States and the European Union to confront the People's Republic of China. I also think that it's fair to say that the investment and trade deal between the EU and China uh, that was temporarily postponed at the behest of the Biden administration at the end of 2020 will probably be revived. And I also suspect that 
that the revelations, the bombshell revelations in the Bob Woodward, Robert Costa book, Peril, about the waning days of the Trump administration, which spoke in some detail about a possible U.S. military strike on the People's Republic of China, initiated by Donald J. Trump, has unnerved the European Union because they do not want to get in the middle of a nuclear war between economy number one and economy number two. And keep in mind as well that Germany, which is France's close comrade in the EU, has a lot to lose with regard to a rupture with the People's Republic of China, which is likely China's largest trading partner. I understand that China has more trade deals with uh, with Germany than it does with the United States. Chancellor Merkel, outgoing in a few days, has made 12 visits to China during her 15 years in office. And I think as well that from the EU point of view, it might be easier to play number two to China as number one than to play number two to the United States as number one, since the United States fundamentally dis- uh, demands that its so-called allies should be vassal. And given the fact that the term chauvinism was invented in France, I don't think that France wants to be a vassal of the United States of America. And one more point, uh, this rupture might also have implications for the black liberation movement. Recall that during the years of French leader Charles de Gaulle and shortly thereafter, uh, you have uh, black skyjackers and black Panther Party leaders who were facing long prison terms in the United States. They were not extradited from France. Still, some are still living in France. And so there are many implications of this rupture between Paris and the United States. It's fair to suggest that Cold War II might have uh, reached uh, an impasse just as it's being launched. Yeah, and I mean, France uh, is also has also lost a lot of money uh, uh, with this deal with the U.S., Australia, and the U.K., um, at least $50 billion, it seems. CNN is saying $65 billion. Business Insider is saying $50 billion. And uh, as you had mentioned in our roundtable uh, last week, that uh, there's also got an upcoming election. So Macron has to be seen as being very strong dealing with all of this. But it, it does seem, though, as though that deal does indicate of a, a long-awaited pivot in a way from of the United States and away from Europe or old Europe and uh, towards the Pacific region with all eyes on China. And here was China, because we'll be talking about the, the climate uh, next of uh, Xi Jinping, really in terms of what he's doing on the ground in China and uh, trying to hark back to some of the, the, the concepts and principles under uh, Mao Zedong right after the, the revolution there in China, but also announcing what some see as a historic announcement that they will no longer fund coal-powered plants um, in places around the world, although, of course, China is still very, very heavily dependent on coal. Dr. Horn. Well, with regard to China, the new slogan coming out of Beijing is, quote, common prosperity, unquote. Apparently, that suggests uh, more redistribution redistribution of the wealth from top to bottom, a better health care system, et cetera. Uh, Corporations in China and private interests in China have been 
uh, encouraged, if not coerced, to fork over billions of dollars to state coffers to that end. And as a result, you see this Cold War mentality deepening in the United States. You see it in recent op-ed pieces by George Soros, the U.S. billionaire who's oftentimes demonized by Fox News, has taken a harsh line towards China lately, which mirrors, I'm afraid to say, the line of Donald J. Trump. Uh, with regard to France, once again, recall that President Macron some months ago suggested that the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, led by the United States, was, quote, brain dead, unquote. Recall that for decades, France had pulled out of the military wing of NATO. I dare say that it may choose to do so again. It re-entered in 2009. That has good news and bad news aspects. The good news is that it will likely weaken NATO. The bad news is that an independent military force uh, embedded in the European Union uh, may lead and portend conflict on a military level, I'm afraid to say, uh, with the United States of America, but more likely a more intensified European interventions in the internal affairs of African states. Yes, and, and on the question of, of climate, we heard uh, China's big announcement and President Biden's big announcement on climate is, I think it was something like $11 billion, checking the, the number right now, uh, to assist countries in the global south to deal with the environmental catastrophe that they are facing. Now, this pales, given that the United States is uh, one of the world's largest uh, polluter, the U.S. military being the world's biggest uh, polluter. And yes, it is $11 billion in climate aid annually by 2024. This is a figure according to Politico. But the assessment by the UN and other agencies is given the size of the United States, the wealth of the United States, and how much the United States pollutes, that the US should be um, contributing at least $41 billion, right? So his big announcement uh, pales by what's uh, really needed. Uh, Dr. Horn, your um, final thoughts here on that point and uh, just anything that you might have to uh, add about the General Assembly meetings, Dr. Horn. Well, certainly that $11 billion is a virtual insult. It's chump change. And even with that, we have, we have to read the details because we have to see if this is going to be a typical U.S. deal where the $11 billion is basically poured into U.S. contractors' pockets. In any case, I agree with the indigenous forces who say that if Mr. Biden is sincere about climate change, he needs to stop what they call the Trump pipeline, which invade indigenous territory in North America. And certainly, uh, one more point, the announcement that's going to be made later today about COVID uh, obviously, there is a severe imbalance that is challenging the health of all humanity insofar as the richer countries, 50% uh, of their adult population has been has received at least one jab, and Africa is uh, 4%. And in any case, there are 26 people who die every hour uh, in Africa as we speak as a result of COVID, so there's going to have to be more done there. And finally, I think that uh, the photographs that I'd like to see coming out of this General Assembly meeting is President Bolsonaro of Brazil being forced to buy a slice of pizza on the street 
because he would not be allowed into Manhattan restaurants because he has no proof of vaccination. <laughs> right. Dr. Hart, I'm sorry. There is one, another thing. Finally, finally, uh, President Biden made a big deal about um, endless wars and shifting away from endless wars and, and leaning heavily on diplomacy around world peace. Um, activists are pointing out that while there are approximately half as many U.S. military bases as during at the Cold War end, that the U.S. bases have spread to twice as many uh, countries and colonies from 40 to 80, right? So um, what does that tell us um, about uh, U.S. military might, and then of course there's the deal with Australia, and the other thing is is Iran because the Iran's new president really slammed uh, the U.S. at the UN. Uh, just quick thoughts from you, uh, Dr. Horn, on on both those points. Well, if Mr. Biden is really sincere about relentless diplomacy, replacing relentless war, he may want to dismantle AFRICOM, the Africa Command which interferes shamelessly in the internal affairs of African states. And likewise, as President Raisi of Iran suggested in his taped remarks, this sanctions regime that has been intended to strangle Iran, strangle Cuba, strangle Syria, strangle Zimbabwe, it is the practical equivalent of war and certainly needs to be rethought. Right. On that note, thank you, uh, Dr. Horn. We'll, by Friday, for our weekly roundtable, we hope you will be joining us by, because by then we certainly will know a lot more of what came out of the 2021 UN General Assembly meetings. Thank you, Dr. Horn. Thank you.